With us today is uh, Zach Williams of the New York Post, Albany. And uh, he, a lot of things are happening in Albany, and uh, he's going to give us the revelations. Uh, Zach, there's so many things happening in Albany. What, what do you want to start with? <laughs> Indeed, uh, there is a lot going on, and thanks again for uh, having me. You know, this week saw the governor give her state of the state address where she outlined her legislative priorities for upcoming year, which included some tweaks to bail reform, as well as a bunch of really interesting proposals, electrification of buildings. But I would say the talk in the Capitol has really been dominated by this crazy fight over her pick to lead the Court of Appeals, Hector LaSalle. Now, this Brooklyn judge has really drawn fire from organized labor in particular. And at this point, the governor is going to need at least some Republican votes to get him approved by a majority of the 63-member state Senate. Now, there's just one little problem. There's the Judiciary Committee that includes a whole bunch of opponents of LaSalle, and they're going to have a hearing this upcoming Wednesday, and all signs point to not just the committee saying they're not recommending this guy, but to actively say, no, we do not approve him, and he is not going to go to the floor. So there's that. And then things took yet, a, yet another step up the ladder of escalation when the governor claimed earlier this week that she doesn't need the committee to approve him, that there is a constitutional requirement that the full Senate give a uh, you know vote up or down her nominee. And that's a lot different than how we've seen the process work in Washington. You know, you might recall a long time ago the phrase Borking, a nominee coming out, Robert Bork, the controversial nominee named by Ronald Reagan. And many other Supreme Court nominees have kind of had to walk, you know, the tightrope through the committee is the only way to get approved. And, you know, the whole controversy with Merrick Garland and all about that committee not giving him a hearing. Now, LaSalle's getting that from the Senate Democrats. But they say they are well within their rights, the co-equal branch of state government, to vote him down in committee on the floor however they want to do it. So this could end up in the courts. We'll see. This judge was one of the seven judges that committee picked. So they're in New York. The state constitution specifically names the Commission on Judicial Nomination as the body that takes all the job applications, if you will, from anyone that wants to be the top judge in the state. And they come up with a list of seven people from which any governor must pick their nominee. Now, this time around, Hector LaSalle was one of those seven people. There, but there were other people on that list that especially political progressives really wanted to get picked because they want to push the court in, in a much more left-leaning direction. You know, right now there's kind of a, a, um, a progressive block of four judges and then a relatively conservative, but not conservative per se, block of judges, uh, five of which they fear Hector LaSalle would, you know, would uh, add a vote, which, you know, would make it five to four, like it was under Janet uh, DeFiori when she was chief judge. So there's a lot riding on this, and it kind of comes down to a lot of different boring appeals and whatnot. But, you know, LaSalle opponents have, po you know, presented him as kind of a, 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 a conservative. And, you know, he's nowhere near Neil Gorsuch or some of, you know, the big conservative conservatives that we know of on the Supreme Court. A lot of people have kind of compared him to Anthony Kennedy or even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, you know, in today's Democratic Party, uh, wouldn't exactly be the, the furthest left person out there. You can't have complete control by the legislature over what the governor does. 
Well, you know, the state Senate can can vote the way that they want. Right now, the fight is over whether the whole body must hold that vote. You know, the governor is still taking a big long shot with with LaSalle. He needs 32 votes. She's hoping the Republicans will give her 21 of those 32 simply because, you know, if LaSalle goes down, you know, she's not going to nominate someone more conservative. She's going to have to nominate someone uh, more to the left. So they're going to take him at the best that they got. And all they would need would be 11 Democrats out of 42 to vote alongside with them to get LaSalle confirmed in the most ugly of ways. The only problem is right now is it sure looks like he's going to go down in committee and the governor would have to sue the state Senate and the courts. And then uh, who knows where things could go from there. Well, on this big showdown, uh, I I think this is going to show whether uh, she has a little bit of muscle at least or no muscle. And and, uh, I'm sure that the Republicans are going to vote for him because uh, they can only get somebody worse. (laughs) Keep in mind, this is Albany, though. You know, what happens if you have 11 Democrats, 21 Republicans, and then any one of those 32 senators decides to start playing brinksmanship? This is all we're talking about Albany, not Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in Albany, you know, just a few years ago, the state Senate was all controlled effectively by a single center state senator, Simka Felder. So we'll see what happens. You know, right now the fight is over whether this nomination gets to the floor. But you're right. You know, this isn't just about a judge to lead the court of appeals. This is a showdown between the governor and the labor unions, as well as criminal justice reformers as well as kind of a smattering of other left-leaning uh, forces. And then on the other side is the governor and some of the most prominent Latino politicians in the state. You know, um, it's not just about ideology either, because, you know, you'll note that, uh, you know, le- a left-leaning representative like Nidia Velasquez endorsed LaSalle. So did Adriano Espaillat. Zach, I'm surprised that the Hispanic community hasn't stepped up even more. Well, they have been in the last couple of days. You know, Ruben Diaz Jr., just earlier today, one of the most prominent, you know, uh, Latino politicians in the whole state, um, spoke in support, you know, kind of put his his legacy as a uh, as a, uh, you know, a justice warrior, if you will, on the line. You know, certainly he's someone that came up through the Bronx, um, earned a lot of people's respect for, for championing the borough. And he's back in LaSalle. You know, there's digital ads that have been put out there, six-figure buy, um, I was told just earlier today. So, you know, the the cavalry has kind of been summoned. But, you know, I think anyone that kind of just looks at the situation is still just kind of baffled that the governor picked this fight with the legislature. You know, uh, she just got elected, largely with the help of lab- labor unions. She didn't get a, uh, a deal before December 31 when she gave him all that money for a raise. She, she, she gave every, legisl- every member of the Democratic uh, State Senate Conference a $32,000 reason for supporting LaSalle if she had kind of used that raise they approved, right? Well, nobody really understands. You, you said that uh, uh, she's made some attempt to have some uh, bail uh, reform fixed. Well, I think one key part in all of that to watch is the whether or not there'll be substantive changes to what's called the, the least restrictive standard. You know, this is basically, you know, a lot of times you've heard maybe about cases where, where so-and-so, um, you know, committed a crime, people felt he should have been held, 
but the state law compels judges to release criminal defendants, well, not release them, but to give them the least restrictive conditions pretrial. Now, sometimes that might mean they get jailed, but other times that can mean an ankle monitor being released on their own reconnaissance, you know, any, any, any sort of options. But, you know, it kind of tilts the pretrial decisions about whether to hold someone in favor of criminal defendants. Now, many people would say this is the heart of bail reform. The governor was proposing that this standard be removed for, I believe she said, serious crimes. Now, we don't know what that means. What's a serious crime? I don't know. Some people say larceny. Some say people might, well, that all people will probably say murder. But the bottom line is we don't really know what she's going to propose on anything until we see that budget language, which I hear might come out next week, but definitely sometime later this month. And then we'll really get to dive into the details and I can share with you what she's really going to do on bail. Understood. Uh, Zach Williams, thank you for your update. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again uh, to, to find out uh, what's going on. And uh, you're, you're one of the most accurate guys I know. Uh, well, thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.